Okay, and I'm surrounded by lunatics here. <sighs> we are surrounded by lunatics. You're one of the lunatics. Huh? I, you know what? This is the one thing I've learned tonight. What? I can't depend what? on anyone but myself, okay? So I gotta take care of myself. I gotta stay healthy. You know what? I'm gonna go to bed. That's what I should be. I'm gonna go to bed. Go to bed? What are you, 40? We're the same age! Welcome to Peak Show, where science is a liar sometimes. I'm your host, abortion survivor Brie Rohde, and who is with me on the line today? I'm Liz Master of Karate, and friendship for everyone. For everyone! <laughs> and today, uh, if you can't tell by just how uh, how out there I went right off the bat, um, you know, by the way, I, I love talking about abortion. I do. <laughs> and I'm going to talk about it and normalize it. Um, if you didn't realize that Peak Show was a pro-abortion podcast this far in, <laughs> I've got news for you, listener. <laughs> Uh, but we're we're talking about all the taboos today because we're talking about a show that has never strayed away from taboos and tackling them in the worst possible ways. We're talking about It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And it's suitable that we have Liz because uh, we haven't done as much TV this season. Uh, last time we did a TV topic was the first episode of season two back in February with your lovely pal, Helen. So Liz, why don't you're a three-peat guest. Um, <laughs> take that mic. <laughs> um, but... Uh, why don't you remind us all about the little internet radio program that you and Helen do and kind of some of the fun and uh, kind of new voices you've added to it this season? Yeah, absolutely. So Helen and I host the Real Good Pros podcast. That's good with you, where we are two women who care about the Toronto Maple Leafs a totally normal amount, uh, except we have added a third voice, as Brie kind of alluded yeah. to. Uh, we brought on the lovely Emily uh, as like part-time producer and kind of a bit of a co-host and She's been a wonderful addition to the podcast. Uh, we really appreciate her even just taking on producing every other week. And it's it was a it was a fun season. Didn't end the way we wanted it to. As I'm I mean, sure. it ended. That's the problem. Is yeah, it exactly. It, exactly. <laughs> Uh, when this episode comes out, uh, we'll be on our kind of summer break as the Leafs decided to give us an early vacation again this year. But. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's been a season of biting. It's been a season of goals. It's been a season of me just not shutting up about the Kachucks. So <laughs> it's been fun. It's been fun. I, I mean, not to not to toot my own horn, but I guess that's what we're here for. Uh, if you want kind of a nice light look uh, at hockey, I that's what a lot of people have kind of told us. It's more relaxed and not as member heavy. And as someone pointed out on Twitter, no gambling ads on our podcast. <laughs> <sighs> like, you know, I, I wasn't even going to try to not talk hockey with you because it's become like <laughs> a running joke on Peak Show of like how quickly the topic turns to hockey. Uh, you are here because we we know and love your hockey podcast. Um, but... <laughs> But also on top on top of the hockey podcast, by the way, you do have a great uh, newsletter oh, that comes out biweekly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I I love it. I I, I praise it. <laughs> I, I share it when I can. I appreciate uh, what's it. going on in this kid's brain? Yes. Uh, tell everyone where they can find that. Um, yeah, so you can find it. Um, it's the same as my Twitter handle. So yeah, no, for sure. Um, yeah, spelled Y A. 
um.substack.com. Uh, basically, it's just me talking about um, pop culture and politics and kind of whatever is going on in this kid's brain, um, as well as sharing kind of articles I've read and tweets that I think are really funny because why not share them twice, retweet them and include them in another format? It gives them more journalistic integrity, I think. Exactly. No, I think so. I, everyone else links tweets. I have to link tweets as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, now one of the reasons I've had also had you on here is because I would call you a sunny scholar. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I think, and, and I will say though, when we get into timelines, because you know, we were talking off mic about like siblings and age differences. And you and I have like a small age difference that is almost never obvious, Mm -hmm. except for I find when we're talking about when we started watching TV shows. No, exactly. Um, I was thinking about like the Arrested Development episode. And it's like, oh, wow, I was not watching it when you were. (laughs) Because Mike is like three years older than me. You're like five or six years younger than me. Like it was just like this kind of gradual thing of all of us making the others feel old. Yeah, exactly. Um, Uh, but no, uh, so we're talking Sunny, 15 season FX slash FXX juggernaut. Um, and in terms of seasons, it is the longest running American sitcom, which I think is very sweet. Yeah. I mean, all things aside, you really have to, you, you, you do in some cases have to hand it to them. (laughs) Um, now, this is a bit of a rare one for because for Peak Show, we often do TV shows that have concluded, but um, you've probably seen in the past, we've done The Simpsons, which somehow is still ongoing. So there is no rule that it has to be done. Um, and with Sunny, there's 15 seasons. And so that's a lot to look back at with my local Sunny Scholar. Um, I thought it would be really fun to go back to TV land. So now before we do that, we've You've told us about kind of the quality peaks of your life, the peaks of your year, but now we just want to know about a moment that is peak Liz. So Liz, can you tell us what your peak Liz moment is? A a peak Liz moment is actually a moment from high school in which uh, I was practicing on the track team and uh, in high school I ran hurdles in track and we were practicing hurdles and we were outside using the outdoor track. Also using the football field at the time was the senior boys rugby team and they were practicing shirts versus skins and during that i tripped over a hurdle because i was too busy paying attention to the senior boys rugby practice and truly everyone who knows me thinks that that is a peak liz moment (laughs) uh I think that sounds like the kind of thing that you would see in like a Disney um Disney Channel original movie like um like a Hillary Duff kind of thing yeah. except in real life that is much more painful. It was um, very painful. Yeah. It smashed off my knee and I went like went forward ah! and it was a gravel track and I got ah! back up and I saw my best friend Bridget just laughing at me because she knew exactly <laughs> what I was looking at to make me trip over the hurdle. <laughs> Uh, so I've always been very jealous of the fact that you did track and track and field because track and field was the day that you're supposed to look forward to in like middle school because it's like we're doing gym outside. Ooh. Yeah. But I actually dreaded like I realized I was bad at all these things. And hurdles is one of those things that as a little kid, you think this is supposed to be easy. I know how to jump. But when I got to an age where hurdles became challenging, like middle school, early high school, um, I actually found hurdles scary and I, I had a hard time doing them because mm. it's like, 
oh my God, these are so, and you and I are both dancers. Yeah. And so we are good at jumping things. We have and like, good they teach you when you're a little kid to <laughs> jump over, like if you, when you're a little kid, learn your jetes by like jumping over an umbrella or something. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, this isn't a fucking umbrella. This is so high. And um, the, the closest I've come is uh, I used to sometimes do gymnastics and I was on a low beam, a low beam, <laughs> and I still fell and straddled it and bonked myself in the crotch. And I thought after that I started my first period, but it was just <laughs> oh, no! the it was just the physical trauma. <laughs> if you haven't turned back now, dear listener. <laughs> If well, I, I'd say if you have, you're not ready for it's always sunny no, in Philadelphia. That's so good, what the fuck? Yeah, that's a good way. to This is of... me stamping your fucking tickets. <laughs> exactly. This is dipping your toe in. <laughs> so, Liz, I want to know about your history with Sunny, and can you tell me when you got into it, when you kind of ramped up, and what what took you from the curious viewer to the fan you are today? Honestly, so I was first introduced to it. I, I'm gonna say same as. Um, Arrested Development during university because it was one of those shows that uh, even though the show started in like 2005 it wasn't until kind of university that I started hearing about it I think because like back home like in high school and stuff like none of us had FX I don't think we didn't know what FX was I'm sure there was like a couple like memes popping around on like our Facebook pages and that but it wasn't the same kind of even an Arrested Development, which was not a big show, like Sunny did not have the ubiquity uh, for a long time. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. So it was when I got to university and then it's like the guys talking about it sort of thing, making references. You start to see kind of like, why do I keep seeing Charlie Day looking like this kind of thing? And so actually during quarantine, I was like, you know what? fuck it. I'm watching this show. I don't care anymore. Like, I just want to know. And I dove in and watched basically all it was before the 15th season came out. So I watched 14 seasons of it in probably like a month kind of thing because they're sweet half hour episodes. And they're short seasons. They're really short seasons when you think about it, mm. like comparing to like other shows and especially like half hour long shows, like usually they kind of put more out and mm-hmm. it became like kind of a classic go to. I need something on in the background while I'm scrolling my phone. I need like something to cook dinner to and started to just kind of like really lean, like just really enjoyed it. And so I've just kind of I, it's one of those shows that I can truly just like find a season, put an episode on and be like, I'm going to watch this for the afternoon. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's kind of my always sunny journey. Well, Liz, first of all, um, I, I, I do want to like, I'm sure you know the story because I've mentioned it enough times on Twitter. I, I do actually think this is the funniest thing about myself. <laughs> But I've been obsessed with Danny DeVito since I was about four years old. That tracks. That that tracks. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, when I was very, very little, my brother put on Batman Returns. And I thought the beginning of it was the scariest thing I'd ever seen. Like someone throwing a baby in the terrifying. river. It's terrifying. But, 
But it was like when I, my dad must have been watching or something because my dad was like laughing along with a lot of the things. And like, I think I was very young to understand like camp, but like mm-hmm. realizing, oh, things that are scary or violent or actiony can be funny. Mm-hmm. And I was obsessed with the penguin because I didn't think the penguin was real. Like I thought like that's just that's just like a, a dummy, right? Or that's like mm-hmm. a puppet. And my dad's like, no, that's a real man who was on a TV <laughs> show. Like, um, and like when Matilda came out, I was six years old and my my dad's like, hey, that's the penguin. And like, I'm like, oh my God, we have to see this because the penguin's in it. So, um, which did actually lead me to more prestige films. Like that was what led me to watch Cuckoo's Nest when I was about eight or nine. And like, um, but the Peak Show is just a therapy session <laughs> in which I talk about all the age inappropriate things I watched as a child. I watched <laughs> and wonder why I had no friends. Not at nine, but I watched it weirdly early too. So I think a lot of parents there. don't realize how age inappropriate it is, and they're like, they won't flinch if their kid like watches it while they have it on or something. But <laughs> yeah. it's, um, but no. So, uh, Danny DeVito wasn't quite my way in, but um. And I, I enjoy this backstory because this feels like I realized there was this uh, kid named Mike, not friend of the show, Mike Stevens, um, fr- that I went to high school with um, and no one actually liked. And I realized he was like the Dennis Reynolds of my high school. He was very convinced he was popular. Um, he was like a quote unquote womanizer, but really it was just that he hit on a lot of people and would sleep with whoever said yes. Um <laughs> That's I'm calling school. out Mike from North Bay. Um, <laughs> but um, he was like most of our graduating class stayed behind uh, in North Bay. They went to the local university and Mike and myself and one other girl were the only three who went to uh, the city we ended up in. And um, he was going to trade school like down the block from me, living with a bunch of guys who all hated him um, because, again, <laughs> he was the Dennis Reynolds of the, of the group. But I would go over a lot, and it was his roommate, Dave, um, who took a shine to me, and, like, I became more friends with his roommate, Dave. (laughs) And he was like, oh, you like gross-out humor. You like terrible people. You like Danny DeVito? Well, hey, look, I've got these DVDs. Let's go watch these DVDs. Um, The problem is when a guy invites you to his room to watch DVDs, um, usually there's another implication. In this case, we were literally just watching DVDs, but um, Mike did not tell everyone that we were watching DVDs. So I became the sweet D of the group in that case. <laughs> um, the very first episode he showed me, it might have been that it, that was the disc in the player, was season four as the gang dances their asses off. And I was like losing it at how much I love this episode. So Dave lends me these DVDs. He's like, take them back to your dorm. Keep them as long as you want. Just be warned, the first season is not like this. Yeah. And yeah, and it I didn't mind that the first season wasn't like it because I still liked the tone. Um, and for a while, what, like my little point of pride was that Sunny was the show that I showed other people. That mm. and I was that way with Archer as well. So I feel cool. Like, yeah, I got on this early. <laughs> um, but because I think those first like five, six years, a lot of people, particularly Canadians, did not know about it. Like you said, I don't think we had FX in Canada um rogers owns it but i don't know how long it has yeah or rogers owns the rights to it in Mm -hmm. canada i should Mm say um but um i think it was the advent of netflix coming to canada honestly because sunny was on netflix canada for a while now it's on disney plus of all platforms (laughs) which kills Um, me it kills me especially because its little title card is cartoon right now yeah so it's like bad things it makes it hard to find things are happening (laughs) 
It does make it hard to find, admittedly. I'm still very used to that yellow and black branding. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so for a while, I was ahead of those times. And I think up to like season six, I watched very steadily. Um, and then like, I think I dropped off right before Mac became fat. And everyone was talking about, oh, yeah, Mac is fat now. Mac is fat. And I'm like, how much did I miss? <laughs> <laughs> Admittedly, max fluctuating weight gives a really good time marker for the show because, like, a lot of the like, there's not a lot of character growth uh, on Sunny, but there is a lot of literal character growth in Max. So it's good. Like, oh, we must be in season seven right now. For me, um, it's it's like that. Like, if Mac is fat or not, and also the plastic surgery journeys of everyone except Charlie and Danny DeVito. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and Danny DeVito just becoming more and more disheveled. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, just I don't for he what lives it's worth set at this point. <laughs> well, for what it's worth, I don't think Charlie Day is so much an aggressive plastic surgery guy. He is very botoxed, though. He is so botoxed. Yes, I mean no, he's a, he's a beautiful man, and yes. I love them all you know, deeply. But I remember yeah. I start. I can't remember what season it was, but Kate, Caitlin Olson went and got work done, and I was like, wait a second. <laughs> People don't really I. I just want everybody out there, especially those who are talking about how good such and such a celebrity skin is and how they look good because they stay in their own lane. No, they look good because they get work done and they're mm-hmm. rich. Exactly. You know, no, that's that's always it. <laughs> oh, uh, before we dive into the history any further, because, you know, it's again, it's peak show with Liz on. We're going to periodically talk about hockey. <laughs> Every time I talk about Rob McElhaney, I am reminded, do you remember how um, Don Cherry used to pronounce Leafs legend Curtis McElhaney's name? <laughs> oh my god. He used to say McElhaney. Like, that's literally what he oh fucking god. called him. <laughs> Wait, I gotta do my chair. McElhaney. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I've forgotten about that, but that's so funny. I, I think Rob would appreciate that pronunciation. <laughs> I mean, it's not spelled the same way. No, but, but um, you know. Yeah. But so um, about Sunny, the pilot was shot with a potato. That's pretty much all you need to know. <laughs> um, originally titled It's Always Sunny on TV, uh, written and directed by Rob McElhaney, Glenn Howerton, and Charlie Day about themselves, three out-of-work actors in L.A. Um, I... <laughs> Liz very kindly showed me a really awesome uh, clip from Rob McElhaney's early acting days in like an anti-smoking teen <laughs> ad. When he, apparently he was like 20 when they shot it, but he looks 13. Well, I believe it because he's been, he's said several times on the podcast that he was like 87 pounds when he started high school and just like the tiniest little man. Um, so it would have taken a while for him to just grow into himself. Yeah. Um, but I, I did know of Glenn Howerton because I was one of the three people who watched that 80s show, <laughs> you know, which probably, is really bad. Yeah, I, I think I did, too. I think my family watched like the first episode or something because we were dedicated that 70s shows watchers. And mm-hmm. so my dad was like, "Ooh, the 80s. And I think we made it like five minutes in. And my dad's like, we're never watching that again. <laughs> I think even I knew, like, when you're 12 and 13, you think everything is good, but I really thought this was bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, It's Always Sunny on TV was shopped to networks, picked up by FX only after the occupation of the gang was changed from actors to bartenders slash bar owners, and the setting was changed to Philadelphia, where McElhaney grew up. I really like that because I was looking at just some of my favorite TV shows lately, and there's so much L.A. on TV, mm-hmm. and it becomes so much L.A. humor. So. No, Exactly. 
I think it gives it like, I think if it was in LA, even if they were bartending, if it was the exact same show, but in LA, I mm. don't think it would have worked the same way. There's such a great thing, and like we even talked about this on our King of the Hill podcast about the specificity of locations mm -hmm. and how like these are jokes that like you might not get if you're not from Philadelphia, but like there's the affection in them and like specificity is funny even when you don't get it. Like no, that's exactly. I, mm -hmm. it's hard to fully articulate, but you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was shot as a single cam comedy. Um, it premiered right as single cam was becoming a bit more mainstream thanks to previous episodes like The Office and Arrested Development. I just um, watched uh, the first episode though, and I um, and when I listened to the podcast for your suggestion, the guys did confirm that they were wearing a lot of their own clothes um, because there's the scene where the two gay guys in the bar tell Dee, "We want to wait for the cute one," and it cuts to a shot of Dennis in which he's supposed to look cute, <laughs> and he is wearing the most 2005 straight leg jeans, but also an unironed T-shirt that is like so big like queer eye taught me if the seams if the shoulder seams are halfway down your bicep it's too big <laughs> and i'm just like he's supposed to be the attractive one so i'm like wow what a budget truly truly what a budget i love um mm. i definitely recommend uh everyone if you like always sunny in philadelphia to listen to the podcast because it does give like these great like behind the scenes and they talk about like the first few seasons of just being like yeah, I bought like my own notepads because we didn't have like mm -hmm. an office and like <laughs> we're wearing all our own clothes. And like, it's truly, it's incredible to think of like, that's where they started. And now it's 15 mm -hmm. seasons later. I like the podcast because A, it's always Glenn trying to keep it a legitimate <laughs> podcast by like asking questions and pretending to be a journalist. But B, because at about, I always say at about the 15 minute mark, everyone just becomes their characters because <laughs> they just start yelling over each other. <laughs> yeah. It's um, very, like, you listen and you're like, oh, okay, these guys aren't putting anything on. This is exactly yeah. who those people are. <laughs> yeah. So here's one thing that I'm actually not sure about. Um, so McElhaney described the gang as being the anti-friends, and I'm not sure if he meant, like, the anti like anti-friends as in, like, your own friends or, like, capital F friends, like, the series. I think either one is appropriate now. <laughs> um, you know, just subverting the sitcom premise in which everyone is always there for each other. And this is like, I mean, it starts out as everyone is always apathetic to each other. And then it's everyone is actively plotting against each other, <laughs> no matter what. No, exactly. Um, they also described um, in the podcast or um, like... Uh, in the podcast, they described an instance on uh, the second episode, Charlie Charlie wants an abortion, in which Dennis and Dee get into like this small argument about how thick she's slicing the limes, and that they realize that's the direction the show should be going more into, which is like escalating over small petty arguments. Um, I also really love this because, um, as a former advertising reporter, this actually did like make my brain explode. How AB dropped its and Hazard Bush. Uh, dropped itself as the official beer of the show after watching the first episode, even though they'd read the script. And That's all I can thing. think is, like, they read the script. What, like, you're, <laughs> you know, what you're fuck your media into. agency. Yeah, fuck your media agency. Um, like, I just don't understand how you can look at the name, like, the gang gets racist. <laughs> like, that is the name of the script, lady. And and also like. <laughs> How much it screws the TV show be because this show had no budget and then they had to go and doctor all the images of the beers and the signage like that sucks. Mm -hmm. That actually sucks. So you know what? I will say if you are concerned about brand safety in the year of our Lord 2022, 
Um, you shouldn't be because everything is fake news in a hell mouth. So, you know, um, <laughs> that's just that's just me on my ad soapbox. Um, <laughs> now, what's interesting is the first season ratings were terrible. But when I looked at the ratings throughout the years, the ratings have actually gotten worse. Like the most recent season was pulling in like two to three hundred thousand U.S. viewers, which um, to compare that to Canada, that is like a Wednesday night preseason Edmonton Oilers game. Interesting. Like, yeah. Um, not even Edmonton Oilers. Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> I wonder um, if they get like a lot of good like DVD or like when DVDs. It, they, like... Yeah. It has to be a heavy syndication and streaming show. Like that mm-hmm. That has to be what it is. I also, this is just my own um, like headcanoning at this point. I bet you those guys are like make themselves nice and cheap. I bet you like they they probably get more off of residuals than anything. And also they most of them have other active projects on the go. No, exactly. Um, I like so, so it's like they're just mm-hmm. it's a labor of love. <laughs> yeah, definitely, um, exactly. But yeah, it almost didn't make it. They added Danny DeVito as a guest star for the second season. His character wasn't initially intended to be permanent, but Frank uh, tied the room together much like a good good rug um i actually have to say like i don't normally credit networks a lot but credit to fx and john Langraf for the fact that they wanted to save the show um because they seem to personally love the show and they said like this show's great everyone loves it just no one everyone who watches it loves it but no one watches it because like i've said it before in the show the 2000s were the last time when your show could be kind of shitty for a year or two and it not be mm-hmm. canned right away and it's even worse now because like renewals and cancellations are basically down to an algorithm but like, you know, another one of my favorites, like King of the Hill, um, which Fox was like so behind and backed. Like that's examples of how high a show can fly when a network mm-hmm. really believes in it. Um, Glenn Howerton also told the Nerdist podcast, quote, it wasn't that we were reticent to add Danny DeVito to the show is that we are reticent to add a name to the show. And like, I remember they even said on the podcast, they like, they we don't want to do this. OK, well, then you lose the show. <laughs> so no, exactly. I think. You know, and they did Danny DeVito. They weren't going with like a beautiful person or a cool new guy. It was like, mm-hmm. hey, remember the penguin? He's Dennis and Dee's dad. <laughs> they did say that at one point they looked at Ray Liotta, which I think would have also been very interesting. I, I love think Ray it Liotta. Been, I think it would have worked. Like that's the I thing. Like sometimes a lot of like they'll you'll talk about like a TV or your movie and they'll be like, oh well, we almost got this person. You're like, oh thank God you didn't, Jesus. Yeah. But I think Ray Liotta would have been like a really interesting mix i i it wouldn't be the same as danny devito but i feel like he would have like got it you know what i mean i have a i have a morbid curiosity about how much ray liotta would be willing to debase himself i feel like it's a lot yeah Um, me too i feel like he's like no bring it on bring it on (laughs) let's do this So um, the three uh, core uh, core male cast uh, cast members, actually, uh, technically, uh, Rob McElhaney is still the showrunner. Um, season 11 was when you started to see them less frequently writing, uh, writing the episodes. But like those guys wrote every episode for a while. Um, mm-hmm. I think like season 13 to 14, Glenn Howerton wrote no episodes because he was uh, he was scaling back his role on the show due to AP Bio. Have you ever seen AP Bio? I haven't. I've heard that the first season is really, really, really good. Um, But Mm -hmm. then you can kind of tell they weren't expecting to get renewed. So then kind of the second season, they just like plot lines, they don't really know what they're doing. And they're kind of all over the place. But I've heard AP by like the first season is worth watching. So I'll eventually get to it. (laughs) 
I'll say it's like lowercase g good. Mm. Um, but now that I've seen Abbott Elementary, I don't think I think that blows every other like school workplace yeah. comedy out of the water. Mm-hmm. Um, like even like it felt like they were almost going off of like five or six years ago when Bad Teacher was a thing. Yeah. Like, that's what they got a lot of the humor from like Abbott Elementary now like of course you're going to compare it to AP Bio because it's like similar mm-hmm. settings and um by the way guys if you haven't watched Abbott Elementary yet it's a fucking brilliant show and uh one of the one of the better comedies if not best comedies on TV right now um so it moved to FXX in season 2 FXX is really hard to say so i hope <laughs> to avoid saying it um <laughs> In December 2020, it was renewed for uh, four additional seasons. So it is the longest running American sitcom in terms of seasons. But again, like these seasons are like eight to 10 episodes. So mm-hmm. um, now awards wise, it hasn't gotten much. Uh, the highest profile stuff is uh, a couple Saturn and People's Choice nominations, one uh, one win in each for series. Um, and uh, it, it's gotten Emmy nominations for stunt coordination, which admittedly it does insanely well. They love a good stunt. They really do. <laughs> so now you have a familial connection to yes, uh, Sonny. I do. So one of my dad's really good friends, uh, Dano, he loves Always Sunny. Uh, and it makes me laugh because I consider like us like kind of the two ends of the Always Sunny fans. Like I'm the one that's like, oh, I get it. Like because they're bad people. And so this is it's satire and he's just like ha they said a bad word like that kind of always sunny fan (laughs) um but a dad exactly well he's not a dad but he associates with Uh. dads so (laughs) it rubs off you know yeah um but he won a contest uh to be an extra in the uh episode i can't remember what season it is but ptsd um Mm -hmm. and so uh at one point in the episode they go to like a veterans ptsd meeting um there's Mm -hmm. d mac and uh danny devito and he's kind of in the background at that meeting and so yeah apparently he said they're all very cool people and very nice and he's like it's so cool it's so cool (laughs) they seem like extremely cool guys they seem Um, very like down to earth like they they seem like people who they recognize that they kind of got like they they won the lottery here with getting this little show that could off the ground and yeah like i i really do think sunny i don't want to say it's the last but it is what it was kind of the first it's kind of the first show i think of when i think of modern comedies where the creators who also happen to be the stars aren't um you know, like the joke we always use now, people whose parents, uh, who, their parents' uh, names are blue links on Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, no, the, they're not, none they're of not them, nepotism babies. No, none of them come from privilege. Like, they're mm. from, like, Alabama, Boston, and Philadelphia, respectively. Yeah. Like, that's, exactly. you know, they're, they're mm-hmm. little nobodies, and I love that. Mm-hmm. Me um, too. So I want to talk about the first season, um, which... The guys are so hard on the first season in the podcast, and I get it because the third se- first season is so different. It doesn't have Danny. Um, but, like, the way they're like, this just isn't, like, oh, this isn't funny. Like, particularly Glenn Howerton, he's like, oh, these are just things I'd never think is funny now. I don't see why people thought it was funny. Um, it was 2005. Like, yeah. that's what was in. It was edgy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This was the Dennis Leary smoking on stage singing the asshole song era. And, like... I think 
also friends had just ended and gotten more sentimental as time went on. So people really wanted an ant- antidote mm-hmm. to that. So mm-hmm. people thought it was funny. And e- like even just the entire concept of these characters are assholes. I think people mm-hmm. liked the premise. And I understand creators are incredibly hard on themselves. And sometimes it's hard to hear when you're a fan. It's like, don't be so hard on yourself, <laughs> Glenn Howerton. <laughs> there great, is Juilliard. <laughs> There is one line from the first season, though, that I'm just like, oh, you can tell these guys were just like watching a lot of sitcoms and trying to recreate it. I, I can't remember if it's the first or second episode, but Dee's talking about her random dream. And Dennis goes, I don't want to hear about your dreams. I don't like hearing about dreams. If it's not, <laughs> um, if uh, if I'm not in them and no one's having sex, what's the uh, what's the point? So like, <laughs> oh, it's, it's like looking through photographs. If I'm not in them and no one's yeah. having sex, what's the point? And I'm like... <laughs> That is such a sitcomy line, like. Mm-hmm. But like, but on the I probably like, thought it was like funny when I was nineteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but when I did our Seinfeld episode with Gauche, I was initially like, I don't like the comparison of Seinfeld to Sunny. It's just that it's a four character ensemble of bad people. Um, I I take it back now. The first <laughs> season is so Seinfeldian. Like, the the pilot is basically what if Seinfeld but Jerry actually said N word. Literally. Which, I mean, actually would have been more appropriate if it were Kramer, I suppose. Yeah, but, I was um, about to say. <laughs> one of those guys has said the N-word. Both those um, points stand, though. Both those yes. points stand. But, like, right down to the fact that, like, D was, orig- like Elaine, originally written to be, like, the kind of smarter, wiser one. And, like, the scene in which she, or the subplot of her making a pass at her gay musical theater actor <laughs> friend and like the conversation, I just thought you were into gay dudes. I'm not. Clearly you are. That is so <laughs> Seinfeld. That mm. is incredibly Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe like the difference is that Sunny in its first season was Seinfeld with action. Because like Seinfeld is a lot of people talking about and like confessing their darkest oh. impulses. But Sunny, even in like the first season, is when you see them act on it. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. Like, I, I think Sunny is very much like an action show in that sense of like, very much. It's very much like they did this thing. Like, they're not just talking about it and they're not just thinking about what would happen. Like, no, we're, we're throwing ourselves right in. Like, the cold open is them doing the thing and then we're dealing with like the repercussions of it, essentially. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I would say something like the gang finds a dead guy or Dennis and Dee's grandpa is a Nazi is very action-y. And then it only gets bigger from there. Like, you know, the gang gets invincible is such a large scale thing, but it's like (laughs) such petty problems. The gang gets invincible is one of my favorite early episodes. It's so good. And it's so funny because always sunny they don't often like lean into the pop culture references like there's occasional times that they do like i know in the one episode i think it's the gang solves the north korea crisis like they do like the american (laughs) idol like kind of judging panel and stuff and there are kind of references but invincible is such like a it's such a philadelphia thing that i think Mm -hmm. it works on that front because even if you're not like oh yes invincible the like disney sports drama starring mark Wahlberg, you're like I get what's happening here. I I get what's going on here. (laughs) You know, I am very surprised, actually, that there hasn't been more Shyamalan crossover. And I'm realizing that this is also intrinsically linked to our M. Night Shyamalan episode because that guy fucking loves Philadelphia. Um, (laughs) Maybe it was actually Charlie keeping those girls in that underground zoo. (laughs) Well, I think it's um, uh, Dennis writes a movie. Um, Dee is an extra on a Shyamalan movie. 
and is not playing a zombie well. And so it's like, there are these references, but also at the Mm -hmm. same time, it's timeless because of the references they are and the way that they use them, I think. I am a bit surprised that he hasn't made a cameo because that guy is so willing to do cameos. Like I, <laughs> I unapologetically love This Is Us. Um, I just watched the penul- penultimate episode this morning and I'm still crying about it. Um, but he's like made a cameo in that show. It's set in Pennsylvania. Or it's set partially yeah. in Pennsylvania, partially in LA. Um, <laughs> and one of the characters is an actor. And so like he, he shoots a movie with M. Night. So he's playing himself. Um, and he like makes fun of himself and stuff. So I'm like, why haven't they approached him? <laughs> or maybe they have. I don't know. Maybe but, they have. Um, and he's like, you guys. <laughs> yeah. But so, you know, the, with the first season, just to cap it off, I think like the episode where it came into its own kind of pre-Frank was the, the finale of that season, Charlie Got Molested. Because it introduces the McPoyles. Um, I have sung the praises of Jimmy Simpson on this show before, on our David Fincher episode. Um, I think he's an amazing actor who's done a lot of like small, really amazing and really dark parts. But unfortunately, because the first thing I saw him in was this, he will always be a McPoyle to me. <laughs> yep. Um, kind of like how David Dasmalkian like has done so many amazing things, but he'll always just be the crazy guy in the Dark Knight for me. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yep. So like... The introduction of the McPoyles, I think, really helped the show because one of the very Seinfeldian things about it early was like, these are all terrible over-the-top people, but they're in a world of straight men. Um, And by, I mean, like, straight men in the TV sense, because me being in a world of straight men is my nightmare. Um, (laughs) But like, with Sunny, it's like, what if a lot of the people in the supporting supporting cast were like crazy as a shithouse rat as well? So Mm -hmm. you bring in Rickety Cricket and the McPoyles and they started, like the waitress was so normal in the first season. And then they just were like, no, everyone's nuts. Well, and it's the same way as like, um, they made, they were like, no, we're not going to make D like the straight man of the group. Like D's going to be just as bad. And I think that like, that makes it better. Because if it was like a normal society kind of thing and there are just these like four assholes it's like mm, i don't know but like mm-hmm. the whole entire like group of them just they're all like this is mm-hmm. great <laughs> yeah and and like i think adding frank was also smart from a pragmatic standpoint because like the first season i mean all of the gang lives in squalor uh particularly charlie but the first season puts such an emphasis on the fact that Patty's like is not going to make it and stuff. And it seems more real as opposed to a joke. Putting in Frank, who just like kind of arbitrarily has a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, I always say like in TV shows, it always helps to have one random ass rich character because that explains away every fucking thing they do. No, exactly. I totally agree. <laughs> like it, it's like, okay, it's not like we need Always Sunny to be like super realistic, but no. it's like, yeah, no, okay, Frank is paying for the bar. That makes sense. That's why they're never there and doing shenanigans all over the city of Philadelphia instead. Well, and as they're, as what they do to each other uh, becomes, you know, more large scale, like um, one of my favorite episodes, The Gang Breaks D. Um, and that involves like tens of thousands of dollars <laughs> to like pay people to laugh in her audience or pay people or like fly a, a charter plane around Philadelphia for several hours. Um God, okay, so I I have to say that episode is a great one because 
I knew the ending would be that the joke was on D somehow, but I didn't expect that the ending was that the joke was also on Dennis. Like <laughs> I I thought that the whole thing was going to be that she was going to go on to Conan and fail and like freak out and everything would be terrible and Dennis would be like and Dennis would be like, "Oh yeah, that was my plan all along because I wanted to, you know, break you again." Mm-hmm. But the fact that it was all a joke on her and on Dennis and like it it really it still finds ways to beat my expectations mm-hmm. which is crazy no absolutely i agree like even in the most recent season like it's definitely not my favorite season like season 15 i thought that some of the initial like episodes were clunky but they had this like mm-hmm. super emotional arc in the second half that i'm like i was not mm-hmm. expecting <laughs> this in any way like i didn't think we were going to go there and yeah it's it's really impressive that these guys keep coming up with new stuff and i think it does help that they have brought in like new writers as the series goes on um to kind of get like fresh blood sort of thing new perspectives but it's it's really Mm. impressive in my opinion yeah i haven't been able to watch season 15 yet um it is not on the disney's yet however as per your recommendation i looked up some of the clips from that uh that latter half and I didn't think Charlie Day would ever make me cry. Yeah, no, you, but, you never like, you never expect it. <laughs> and, you know, like, I, I want to kind of get to one of your notes because you talk about class and mm. the show and how, like, even though there's such fantastical elements of the show and you just said, like, you know, you toss in Frank with his money and a lot of problems get solved. But there are a lot of, like, whether it's the humor or the emotional stuff that's very class aware. And one of the things I was thinking about with Charlie, you know, not having a dad and I was thinking like I I grew up in a working class town and there was always like the kid who didn't have a dad Mm -hmm. and like it was like a funny joke thing and even they had a sense of humor about Mm -hmm. it sometimes but also behind that is a lot of pain and that pain and that humor can kind of coexist about it and I thought that was a really cool way to show the painful side because we've gotten enough about the humor of Charlie not having a dad like we've hit that note every single way possible kind of thing. And so I think it's good that they didn't kind of like, haha, Charlie doesn't have a dad again. It's like, no, let's, let's fucking dig. Let's dig deep in here. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But also Dennis and Dee go on welfare. Like that is, (laughs) that is a, what like we'll get to the, the kind of capital P problematic things, but like that, it's a problematic episode, but in an amazing way. No, exactly. Um, like Mac explicitly <laughs> says to them because they're like, oh, like when our unemployment runs out, then we're just going to go on welfare. And he's like, that program is for people that need it, not you guys to just fuck around kind of thing. And mm-hmm. they're like, no, it's fine. And like, I like the way that because like Rob McElhaney, you can tell like these are kind of like genuine experiences for him sort of thing, like growing mm-hmm. up in Philadelphia and like also like the episode um, where um, Mac and Charlie white trash, like they explicitly have the divide between the two of Dennis and Dee thinking that they're like too good for the public pool and have to go to the country club because that's what Mm -hmm. they always did. And then they're trying to get into the country club because they think that they should just be able to. And then there's Mac and Charlie at the old abandoned pool that someone died in (laughs) trying to fill it up and be like, no, this is great. This is great. And it even has Charlie wearing his jorts and being like, what's so white trash about this? <laughs> and like, almost. I mean, I to- agree with him. <laughs> <laughs> and like, Max fake chain kind of thing. And like, all of these things that they're like, 
trying to almost like get away from what they are because if you strip away like the humor of it it's like Dennis and Dee are these rich kids that like had dad pay for everything sort of thing and could do whatever they wanted and everything like that and then Mac and Charlie are from the wrong side of the tracks Mac's dad is in jail his mom despite Mac's best wishes really doesn't care for him kind of thing and Charlie's dad is not around and they had to like like the um um also the christmas episode of like a very sunny oh, christmas yeah. where Did mac you is like my mom <laughs> one of the funniest scenes ever uh, but it's also them realizing shit we had shitty christmases like yeah. dennis and dee are on this journey as well because their dad was taking away their gifts but like mm-hmm. mac thought that Christmas was about going and taking gifts from other people's houses because he didn't get any and Charlie had his whole thing and it's very much like you strip away the humor and it's like no these are like painful stories that they can like yeah dig into and they have in like specific occasions which I find is a really great kind of duality of the show and also like with the revelation that Mac is gay and Mac is also as we know from the early seasons like deeply religious and catholic and the like how much Mac hates himself is actually a driving part of yeah. his character or like in uh the gang gets analyzed when he kind of admits like I know everyone hates me and I'm just mm. like oh man like <laughs> he has such a tragic existence but it's able to be so funny and it's like you know what we said on this podcast before all of comedy comes from a place of pain mm-hmm. so no, absolutely. Um, so um, now last time you were on the show, we did Arrested Development and we were like kind of dancing around the Rita stuff and, uh, you know, the treatment of uh, Latinx people. But um, wowie. <laughs> but it's funny because this show has gone further and done worse things. But I will also say handled it better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, I mean, and I, when I was just this past weekend, I was talking with friend of the show, Luke Levier. We were just hanging out and we were talking about Bo Burnham and how he's like the defining comedian of the millennial generation. Mm-hmm. In terms of he matured online, like he grew up online. And now he's like, I, when he was a teenager, he was doing songs with like the R word and the F word and I not the F word that videos. I like. Like, I, yeah. I remember watching him like, little adolf and stuff like that like that's i was i was just listening to inside the other night while i was working out um because i I make queer choices i'm realizing now how fucking deranged that sounds (laughs) um but like and then apple music shuffles it i've told you about how much i dislike apple music's recommendation algorithm and it goes to uh one of his songs where the first line is i'm an f word i'm an r word and i'm like Oh my God. But like, so I was saying with Luke, like, it's kind of crazy how saying those words, like, even if you knew it was wrong back then, or you might get told it was wrong, you would live to see another day. Mm -hmm. And um, I think because I don't want to say it wasn't talked about, because I do think people talked about it. Like, I'm sorry, I've been teaching like special needs dance classes for Mm -hmm. a while. um, And uh, there's been a no R word rule in my inner circle for a very long time. Um, But I, I can see how you can imagine like, oh, well, like they wouldn't be watching this or anything, or it's just fine if you don't say it to that person. Mm-hmm. Um, like the thi- the one thing that doesn't age well about the show is the slurs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they're, like- They're jarring. Uh, like when you, yeah. you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, yeah. I I, sh- I feel like bad because I should be saying that all slurs like send a shiver down my spine and they do, but the mm-hmm. R word really, because like I've spent- 
you know, 10 years, yeah. like working with people with developmental disabilities and stuff. And just like, I'll, all I can think is it's if different. I were to ever like hear someone use the R word around them, how much like, I'd say fists would fly, but like elbows would fly with me yeah, more. Right. You got pointy elbows. You use your advantages. I do. Look at them. Look at them. <laughs> I do dance like Mac sometimes with the elbow <laughs> thing. Um, but <laughs> it is an audio medium. But friends, you must know that Liz and I just erupted into an elbow dance party. Um, but like in the episode, Sweet Day is dating an R word person. Um, like that. And. That is a very important episode because that's the birth of Dayman. Um, I know, but it, like, like whenever I, I think people forget that, that. Yeah, I'm like, oh wow, they really slipped that into that whole like <laughs> the layers that are happening in this show sometimes. Yeah, um, I also what is so distinct, distinct, distinct about that scene for me is how much Charlie Day is just covered in spray paint from all the spray paint he's been huffing. It's truly like up to his eyes. I'm like, I don't know how you huff paint, but that doesn't feel correct to me. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so like the gang, like that show is, that episode, aside from all the R words getting thrown around, it is about how much the gang, including D, like dehumanizes developmentally challenged people. They're using him as a punchline. Like they don't care whether or not he is developmentally disabled. They are just using it to fuck with D. And Lil Kev turns out to be an awesome rapper mm -hmm. and seemingly neurotypical. Um, I think they mentioned on the podcast that he was blind in one eye, which uh, like the actor played him. And that's kind of what caused his eyes to look a little off. Mm, yeah. um, it's also kind of downplayed, but that Lil Kev is a really good person. Um, mm -hmm. no, and he exactly. was never with him for the right reasons. She wants to break up with him because she was so shallow. Um, so the icing on the cake is like, the final line of his rap, this gravy train's leaving, so who's redacted now, bitch? Um, and like, it's not just, oh, it's problematic, but it's about how bad the characters are, which can sometimes be used as an excuse. It's, the characters are bad, and they're also shown to pay for it. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. Like, especially in that regard, like, like that episode specifically, like, it's very much these characters get their comeuppance. And that's something that they kind of, because they've hit this episode, um, on the podcast and mm -hmm. they really address like you know what like not to use excuses it was like 2006 2007 that was mm -hmm. just something that was part of comedy whether it was good or bad sort of thing that was just like the environment in which we were in and like we probably wouldn't do this episode again like we wouldn't do it the same way but these characters do get their comeuppance and mm -hmm. that's kind of the point they're trying to make with this episode of like these people are very bad people and they suffer for it because they yeah. they get it in the end and also a point like kind of referencing like how me and my dad's friend are like the two kinds of sunny fans like they recognize that as well which i think is important because i think a lot of creators will just be like oh well it's satire and people get it but <laughs> Not everyone's going to get what satire it. Is, people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. so I appreciate that they at least recognize that like our show is being received in this specific way as well. We can't necessarily control that, but we can at least feel like comfortable in our artistic choices, I guess you could say. And yeah. like, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's not great. Like, like you said, the slurs just kind of send like, you're like, oh, fuck. Um, but it's so weird to hear because like, no one says that anymore. People no. said it all the time when I was growing up. And I, I knew it was wrong from a certain age. But like, 
no one says that word well, anymore, like, which mean, is nice. Even, even Mean Girls says it like three times. Right? And like, you think about it, you're like, oh, shit. Like, I thought Mean Girls was like this, like, good movie kind of thing yeah. that was, like, smart. And it was, like... It also says the D word quite a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, it's in the burn book. Yeah, it um, literally is right there. No, exactly. So I think that's part of it, too. Like, obviously, this is very much not us being like, no, it's fine. Use that if you're just, like, giving characters their comeuppance. But it's like, you look back and you're like... Oof, that was just the that was the landscape. And and I'll also say, if it personally offends you, uh, like I will never convince you that it no, shouldn't offend you. Like that's not. that's my other thing. Like I'm I'm a fucking white girl with like pointy elbows. Like no one has to listen to me. No. Um let let it be let it be known that it's fine as long as the characters get their cum muffins. So and uh, another thing that uh won't age as well, and it there are also a lot of slurs tied to this one, but just the character in general, Brittany Daniel as as Carmen, the trans woman. Like, um, now yeah. <laughs> in the I think in the hierarchy of terrible things, I'd say a cis woman playing a trans woman ranks as slightly more acceptable than a, a cis man playing a trans woman. But like yeah. fucking casting directors, please just cast trans women as just, trans women. Just do it, please. Yeah, God. there are there are so many. They're so pretty. Yeah. Um, now, I do like that she gets some empowering moments because she gets to call Mac out because Mac is kind of a chaser. Mm-hmm. He's ashamed of her. He is, you know, kind of a dick to her. I like that she lives a very beautiful life. Mm-hmm. Um, she gets married. And she gets and to be happy. A kid. Yeah. Um, the one... Yeah, the one thing that I really wish weren't a thing, because this actually he's lingered around for many seasons, is, and I can appreciate that they likely recognize that too, is that the biggest hint that Mac is gay is that he's attracted to a trans woman. Yeah. And it, it feels even more ironic considering that trans woman is played by a cis woman. Um, <laughs> so it's like... It's um, like, you guys thought you knew what you were doing there, but yeah. it's so obviously written by three cis white guys, yeah. straight white guys kind of thing. It's like, I get what you were saying, but you're not mm-hmm. you're not sticking the landing there, buddy. And I can recognize that, like, Rob McElhaney, that it does come from a place of love. Like, his mother is a lesbian. Uh, he has two gay brothers. So c- I can appreciate that, like, the humor with the gay stuff, it is coming from a place of love. But I think... Uh, it is important also for people to realize that just because you stick the landing on gay stuff, that is not sticking the landing on LGBT stuff. Like, no. writing mm-hmm. about the T stuff requires knowledge of very specific things. And I, I don't want to say only trans people can write trans stuff, but God damn it, at least bring a trans con- mm-hmm. consultant in because there's, there's shit you're going to get wrong, you know? No, exactly. No, it's... yeah no absolutely because again like if you're approaching it like from specifically like the g stuff you're like okay this is part Mm -hmm. of like max journey kind of thing or this is like he's doing this out of a place of love like rob writing this but when you look back at like the emphasis on like zooming in on like her penis her bulge yeah yeah exactly it's like you guys this is so like (laughs) just like in your face kind of thing and like <sighs> it, it is a bit having its cake and eating it too mm-hmm. no know? absolutely and it is the kind of show that i think it's it's gonna stick some things and other things they're not gonna stick at all and uh, you mean like blackface cons- <laughs> oh my that's my fucking thing with this show <laughs> go go off queen it's just like 
it's one of those things where I'm just like, you guys probably think you're so fucking smart for this, don't you? (laughs) Like, you think that you are just the, like, smartest people in the room. Like, well, they're bad characters. So, like, we have to show their bad characters because, of course, Back would think he has to do black face or D has to do brown face or, like, yellow face or everything else they've made Caitlin Olsen do throughout this series kind of thing. Not make, she's actively participating, but you know what I mean um like in total five episodes were removed kind of in the summer of 2020 when everyone was like hey blackface is bad actually yeah and specifically um the running kind of bit of like the gang makes lethal seven or lethal weapon which (laughs) again like you do it once you're like okay i get it they think this is funny because they're awful people you like double down on it and you're so heavy-handed with it it just feels like you're being like I'm so smart and I'm just gonna piss everyone off kind of thing and it's it's the thing that I think bothers me the most um they did address it like in the finals or final um the 15th season they make lethal weapon 7 um where (laughs) they realize that their lethal weapons have been removed from the public library Um, And then Mac recognizes that he made a mistake. And um, then they're also like, oh, like you guys also did blackface. Like everyone did blackface here. So they hire a local black actor and it's like a bit on like, oh, we don't actually have any black friends either. Like we only know this one black guy kind of thing. And so they're trying to like right their wrongs in that way. But it's like, if you guys hadn't have doubled down so much on it, I think that you wouldn't have had to do this episode kind of thing, which just feels like such a like, see, we get we're bad. We get it's wrong. Like, stop yelling at us. There are a number of imperfect ways to deal with um, allegations of wrongdoing. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, now, actually, again, we're going to we're going to bring it back to hockey. But there is my least favorite which i have now dubbed the tested positive for rum defense in, in which you just <laughs> look it up that. my american friends uh, if you want to see ron mclean who was the sane one in the duo of ron mclean and don cherry um you know ron mclean like i i don't think ron mclean is an actively raging homophobe but um he's kind of like my dad in that he would think a joke like that, like, yeah, this will go over great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this will really hit with the boys. And yeah, like, and it's like, you, you didn't think about that probably because you don't have a lot of gay friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I, something tells me you don't. Um, and um, But to kind of cover it up with, well, I really meant this. I'm really sorry, but also I really meant this. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like the worst you can do. And I'm I'm glad that they never tried to create an excuse for it yeah um but but also like doubling down like at least at least at a certain point they stopped yeah and i like that they didn't go kind of like there's the kind of matt stone trey parker style doubling down where which is like everyone who opposes this you fucking suck and now we're gonna make Mm -hmm. fun of you and like that's then one of the best things about the show is that it's their own little sandbox that they're playing in Mm -hmm. that can also sometimes be the worst thing no, exactly, because it's it's kind of like who's your who's your kind of buffer into being like, hey, don't do that if you're kind of bouncing off each other and you've been doing this the whole time. Like, mm-hmm. and I do appreciate like, excuse me, um, Mac Laney said um, 
uh, on a panel, like kind of like that they've spent like 15 years making a show about the worst people on the planet. And so because Mm -hmm. it's satire, like they lean heavily into the idea of them being the worst people on the planet. And so it's kind of on that razor's edge. And it's like, is this wholly inappropriate for the show what I'm doing? Because like, are these human beings? Are they cartoon characters? Because like, as the seasons have gone on, they've definitely, as we've kind of touched on, everything is getting like bigger and more kind of outrageous. So because they approach them kind of thing as cartoon characters, I think they feel like they can get away with a lot more, which it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, but also you're still human beings and there's, you shouldn't be doing this. And consult, consult the side of you that you, uh, that you do when you, um, when you shoot Mythic Quest, he seems normal. Yeah, (laughs) no, exactly. (laughs) Charlie Day, consult your Pacific Rim persona <laughs> yeah your your pacific rim fursona i know it's not a fursona but it might it's as well be a fursona yeah no exactly and glenn just don't glenn i don't know about you so glenn back to the 80s with you <laughs> <laughs> so liz tell everyone who's listening about the newest tattoo you just got yes so i have a fat mac tattoo uh it's specifically the scene where he's trying to rip his shirt off um <laughs> And it's great. He's got little pieces of candy coming out of his pockets. Um, it's perfect. I love him. He's very special to me. <laughs> I love Fat Mac. Um, and it's funny because, like, the Mac that was just pre-weight gain, the kind of, like, bulking but, like, mm-hmm. schlubby, I dated a guy who, like, in, in my early 20s, uh, the the myth, often mythified economist that I refer to sometimes, <laughs> the economist was like that. Uh, he would, like, he was constantly looking to bulk at the gym, but he would just eat, like, shit and never actually commit to a cut, and he just kind of gradually gained weight, but he was convinced he was the most ripped guy, and mm-hmm. it was this weird thing where, like, I have... I have had to overcompensate with body positivity my whole life because, like, I have, you know gone through a lot of eating disorders and uh compulsive exercising and stuff and so i i know i always look like an asshole as this skinny person who's like it's okay to be any size and I'm like, like but no i'm seriously it is okay to be any size but it's weird that you're convinced that you're ripped yeah um, yeah because you, you're not ripped like if you look in a mirror yeah. you're not you're not jacked <laughs> but yeah just like off, that's buddy. my whole thing is just ad- admit that you're chubby because chubby is beautiful too exactly. like um and so i actually think like max um I, w- I don't even want to say descent. We'll say ascent into fatness. Um, <laughs> is actually there are a lot of guys who are like that, who are like I'm. I'm well, they're cultivating mass, um, and I love exactly. that. Um, but you know, he did point out he's so right. Characters get more beautiful as sitcoms go on, and um, that's the uh, like the opposite of what happens to real people. Um, and like the gang is in their late twenties when it starts because I remember there's a fight in I think it's underage drinking and national concern where they where Mac yells I am twenty eight years old and <laughs> me uh, you know one month from today dear listeners I will be thirty three and I'm just like oh okay I'm doing okay like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, like and now the show is them going into their forties. And that is also a reality of getting older. You simply cannot eat the way you did when you were 15. Mm-hmm. Um, people do get gain weight when they get older, mm-hmm. unless you happen to be on a TV show for some reason. So 
I love that. I I also like that Rob McElhinney said, like, for the first time, I'm watching the show and I'm thinking I'm as funny as everybody else. I have always thought he is as funny as everybody else. But if you needed a gimmick to lean into, I, I say go for it. No, it, and it was a good gimmick because it wasn't like, like, there were obviously like jokes about like, you're becoming a chimichanga and like, <laughs> acknowledging the fact he gained weight, but it was never like, those episodes, that season never, it was never like specifically fat jokes, in my opinion. You know what no. I mean? Like, the funny thing was that Mac didn't realize he had like gained weight <laughs> in the way he had. Like you say, it's like, no, Mac, you, you're you not like fucking The Rock right now. Like you're just eating chimichangas out of a bag. And you're so a, I... You're a soft boy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I appreciated that it was never like, haha, Mac's fat. It's Mac is fucking delusional right now. Yeah. <laughs> Which also works in with what Mac's character was in those seasons. It was kind of the beginning of them actually like solidifying the Mac is gay self-discovery arc. And so mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, he's delusional. We all know he's gay. We all know he's gained weight, but here he is over here <laughs> thinking that he's fine. You yeah. know what I mean? Like he has this completely different image of himself in his head and it makes sense to me in that way. And it's something I kind of appreciate because it is like part of his storyline into discovering who he is. And like after season seven, he comes back like all jacked and that's kind of part of it as well. And like, also I appreciated that when he went from like fat Mac to like super jacked Mac, Rob no one cared. No one cared. They were just like, huh, did you stop drinking? <laughs> like kind of thing. But like, also, Rob McElhaney was like, do you want to know how I did this? I like and super laid out like how awful it is to like mm -hmm. get to that position. So it wasn't like it didn't feel like glorified in any way or like that it was better because Fat Mac is still Rob's picture on Twitter. Like he loves Fat Mac. <laughs> it's not the butt of anything. No, like I, I say this as a, like, so I am in a stage of my life, I just, um, I didn't quit lifting, but I heavily reduced the amount that I'm lifting because par partially, like, every everything from, like, my ribs down is just injuries. It's just, there's a, there's a back injury, there's a hip injury, there's, as a, as previously established, a vagina injury, <laughs> um, you know, shins, knees, feet. Um, but but also it was causing a lot of body dysmorphia. And it was starting, like, I have now lived with, like, these awful disordered habits for long enough that I'm at least good at recognizing, oh, shit, I'm going to the bad place. Mm -hmm. And realizing, like, okay, maybe I just need to switch up the way I work out. And, like, I still love working out because I love being active. And that's a really hard thing when you love being active, but it can mm -hmm. destroy you. Um and so it's like, I need to do something where it's not so strict. Like every Tuesday is butt day. Mm. Every Wednesday is chest day. Um, and doing a lot of different things. But like being, maintaining lean muscle is one of the most exhausting things. And even harder for women. Like I have friends who have been fitness competitors. And like when they get to the point where their body fat is that low, they stop getting a period. Mm -hmm. The only reason like a man can have as little body fat as he did, you know, come Mac finds his pride is yeah. probably because he doesn't have to maintain breasts and produce estrogen the yeah. way a, like a defab person does. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, like 
and it's also good that he came out and said that because the last person the last celebrity who really talked about that that like yeah losing weight and maintaining it is hell and stupid was chris pratt and no one likes chris pratt anymore (laughs) yeah i mean (laughs) i also and also he decided to stay he decided to stay jacked so like yeah mac is like evened out kind of like he still works out you can tell but that's also just because of like that's just what Rob does now. You know what I mean? Like it's not. He like has a talked a lot thing. on the podcast about how he's just like getting healthier, um, and not even it does, doesn't even seem like a moral thing. He's like, I can't fucking do coffee anymore. I can't fucking do alcohol <laughs> yeah, anymore. No. Like, I also hey, liked it people because... ask me why I quit drinking, and it's because like I'm getting older and I'm <laughs> tired of my tummy feeling that way. I also liked it because, uh, like, they asked, because him and Caitlin Olsen are married. Uh, I like that this show is just, like, budding mm-hmm. romance because, like, him and Caitlin got together and then Charlie and the waitress are married as well. And so Caitlin said that she liked um, <laughs> season seven, Mac, because Rob was so much more chill about what he was eating. She was like, season eight, Rob sucked because he had to, like, eat, like, a single bean kind of thing but when he was in the fat mac era she's like yeah he was I, great he was so relaxed he could eat whatever he wanted we could go out <laughs> like so it, it's nice the way that they kind of like embrace that character with positivity kind of thing i love a man with a tummy i really yeah. do like uh, there's nothing nicer than just like resting your hand on a tummy <laughs> at night and when you're all- watching a hockey game except <laughs> you're not watching a hockey game um and rob like screaming at the high school reunion just wouldn't have hit the same okay. way if <laughs> he was like looking like usual rob mcelady like that hit specifically because of what rob looked like <laughs> That scene might be my favorite scene in the whole um in the whole series and like I love a good ensemble episode. I really do. Um like I like that they kind of alternate between single character focused and ensemble focused. Um but I I think that one is one of my favorites. It's I don't like that it's a two-parter though. I find yeah. two-parters can like really Sunny is an exhausting show to watch at times. <laughs> it really um, is. Yeah. But it really, there's so many wonderful callbacks. Like, I've never seen a show that has, like, a more consistent show Bible than this show. Like, they remember so many things, including, like, I was just writing down, like, they remember the way they all dance. Yeah. Because the way they all dance is so bad and specific. <laughs> yeah. Um, and when you see how they are actually dancing, like this is literally like they've been dancing like this since season four. Mm-hmm. Um, no. And I love that. I just love the shot of him so dripping. In, in... <laughs> he looks like a basted turkey. He like... really does. So, but since we, you brought up Mac Finds His Pride, I want to talk about the award snubs. I mean... This show has had a lot of award snubs. We'll talk about the very meta way in which we address that. But um, Leo Moctezuma and Alison Falk, um, I feel like I need to extra go to bat for them. They are the choreographers of the dance scene in Mac Finds His Pride. Um, even when FXX put out like promotional material of that dance on their official YouTube channel, they do not mention the choreographers. They mention, you know, show writers, show directors. They d- And like... Yes, we're dancers, so we're on a bit of a soapbox <laughs> right now. But, like, choreographers never... And there is an original choreography Emmy. Mm-hmm. And they weren't even... I don't know if they weren't submitted for that, but, like, no one knows or cares about choreographers. We could name off a bunch <laughs> yeah. because we're dancers, but it's kind of wild that, like, a non-dancer 
they don't know who any choreographers are. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think my husband could name any choreographers. And all I do is talk about choreographers. He'd no. probably be like, you? And I'm like, choreographing <laughs> Good for answer, a community, no. <laughs> community uh, dance recital does not count. Um, but like, so the beauty of this dance, and I love that you understand this, is like, Rob Mackley clearly isn't a dancer. He's not a natural. No. Um, you can tell like he's very flat footed. Um, he doesn't have it's not even like, you know, previous episode you were on, so you think where like one person is trained in hip hop and not ballroom. Like he has he doesn't have body awareness. He's never done anything like that before. And it would be really easy for a choreographer to say, Okay, you can't really dance, but you're shredded, so just lift her the whole time. Mm-hmm. And he does lift her. Oh boy, does he lift her. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also a lot of great things with like body shapes and counterbalance and like there's this one move where like he is in a plank and she kind of um pushes off him into like a little ponche and like it's those things that i think a choreographer is really smart to do and Mm -hmm. it shows that like choreographing is such a visual medium and um like he's not a prop for her like there's a lot of use of counterbalance a lot of use of the halls of the back and so i think that's so special like it's mm-hmm. one of the most beautiful scenes i've ever seen in well, primetime tv yeah and especially like not even like because like you said rob is so obviously not a dancer and so but this is his dance kind of like because this mm-hmm. is his story this is the climax of his kind of coming out to kind of mm-hmm. everyone essentially and so he couldn't just be a prop to her like because he is the focus of this story like the, he is the and I think the story and what they wanted to get across with this dance, like the choreographers did an incredible job because everyone gets it. It's not just like me mm. and you being like, oh, I know what's going on here. I understand the what they're trying to say with all of these movements and the shadows and every, like, no, like everyone gets like what Mac is trying to say. And that also is a huge, huge credit to the choreographers because... Trying to tell story with dance is a tricky thing, especially for non-dancers, and yeah. it's beautiful. Instead of looking at it like a limitation, they looked at it like an opportunity, mm-hmm. and everything worked within the character. So, mm-hmm. but on, on the topic of um, a- awards, you know, um, you point out the show has addressed award snubs directly. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> another one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> Yeah, in in season nine, they specifically uh, address the fact that they haven't gotten anything with the gang tries desperately to win an award, (laughs) Um, which I'm sure was very cathartic for everyone because it's very the whole time you're like, I know you're pissed about this. Uh, I also really enjoy it because um, Ricky Cricket wrote the episode. and Yeah, Hornsby's actually written a lot of the episodes, yeah. I realize. Like, I guess he's just a, a friend of the guys. Mm-hmm. Like, This is um, very much, like, not to go back to, like, your Adam Sandler episode, but the show reminds me a lot of Adam Sandler in the sense of, like, you're our friend. Do you want to come on? Do you want to write? Yeah. Do you want to do something? Like, kind of the way that Adam Sandler, like, his SNL buddies are constantly in things with him sort of thing, or just anyone he's been befriended. It's the same with this. Like, I think that is also something that comes from them being struggling actors in their youth of like, Mm -hmm. no, like we get it. Do you want to write? Do you want to do this? And it's a very like tight knit group, but yes. So they directly acknowledge it with the bar desperately trying to win an award and doing things that they think will win them awards. And 
I think they should get something. <laughs> I I love the other bar that they go to. Um, and I love that Oscar Nunez from The Office is the manager of the bar. Um, but like the, you know, the chemistry between the between the bartender, uh, between the two bartenders, oh, it's so sweet. And like, I want to come back next week to see what they're doing. Um, so it's it's been like you know, a running thing on the show that I will not do the the show community, a show which I actually have seen almost in its entirety. Um, and one of the things is like, I don't want to talk community with someone who likes community because I am so mean to that show, which I actually think at a, at the first couple seasons were strong, but I will go as far as to say, I think community is a show for people. Like it's, it, I wouldn't say it's a stupid person's idea of a smart show, but it's a very average person's idea of a smart show. It's very and much yelling the way, at you, wear a smart show, wear a smart show. The way it does meta humor is literally that it has a character who has to come out and say, we're a TV show all the time. Um, <laughs> I think like Sunny is like, the game tries desperately to win an award is probably the most meta it's been and the most overtly meta. Mm -hmm. And even that is more subtle than what community does because like it's a joke about the world around them and they're not literally having someone come out like a fucking Shakespearean chorus, um, <laughs> wh like which is what Abed serves. So that's just my thing for like, I think Sunny has more subtly done what a lot of people think community is the first fucking show to do. <laughs> No, I agree. Like, I think because also this show works, even if you don't know that they haven't won awards kind of thing. Like, this is something that mm -hmm. tracks that the gang would do. The gang would be like, how can we optimize everything so that we get awards? I want awards. Like, that tracks. That tracks for the group. So even if you don't have that kind of, like, meta context, it's like, no, this works. This is just a normal episode. It's fine. Like, mm -hmm. so I, I agree. The last note that I had was kind of about how, like, the characters um, become themselves. And even though, like, the first season is so wildly different from the second season, it actually is wild that the characters are fairly well established early on. Um, what isn't established is just how far you can take them. And um, because the show became, it became all about going to extremes... What's cool is that they're all different types of extreme. With Dennis, it's like, how narcissistic and manipulative can I get? With Mac, it's like, how desperate can he get? How much is he willing to overcompensate? And Charlie is just like, extreme amounts of stupidity. Mm -hmm. um, I've been tr I tried putting together a timeline of like when the characters really became fully realized as themselves. The one that I truly think I settled on is D fully becomes D in the Gang Solves in North Korea situation because that is the one episode where you see it encapsulating both her narcissism but also her self-loathingness and like willing to debase herself mm -hmm. um like they they were good at showing how pathetic she was but like never at how that also coexists with ego and mm -hmm. narcissism um but yeah the characters are so consistent and like like the characters aren't even you know flanderized there's also a term i've been using uh on top of flanderization which is like marvelification mm -hmm. which is like Everyone, like, you notice in Marvel movies and Marvel shows, like, everyone needs to be a little bit nice. Yeah. Everyone's a little bit nice. Yeah. Like, they have a little bit of a charm to them. And um, there are a lot of, sh like, that was the one sticking point that I came to with my Brooklyn Nine-Nine episode was, like, I feel like this show is constantly trying to hit me over the head with how likable Jake is and yeah. how likable Gina is. And I, you know, these, <laughs> there's nothing this TV show is doing to make these characters more no. likable. Like you said, it's it's a... 
it's extreme. So as the series goes on, you're not going like, oh, I'm really warming up to Mac. You're like, holy shit, Mac. Like, what the mm-hmm. fuck is wrong with you? Like, <laughs> by whatever season, we have Dennis, like, practically implying that he has, like, bodies cut up somewhere. Like, I need my tools! <laughs> finish, finish shit! <laughs> like, and, like... I think that's something that's fun about the show is because it's like, yeah, these people are the worst people ever. Of course, these are going to be the extremes they get to. Like, uh, but they still have that like core of, you can see it in the first episode of like Dennis being like, oh, I'm getting all the tips. Like narcissism, golden God, like Rob (laughs) going with whatever everyone else wants to do. You have Charlie who's just like, so... (laughs) Wild card, bitches. Yeah. And I like on the podcast, they're like, we never really explicitly decided that Charlie like couldn't read. We just decided to write that in one day. But it works. Like it works. And they have made it so that it's not like like I'm not feeling like hit over the head kind of thing with like Charlie's so dumb because like you have Char the Charlie work episode where it shows that he is like such a key component in this group and he's important to this group and this is what he brings to the group but then you also have him like dennis is a bastard man (laughs) like like it's i think it works perfectly in the extremes that they go to and what they decide to like amplify in that kind of cartoon sense of these characters are so over the top but it still Mm. works on like a kind of base level all right, so we're coming to the lightning round. Liz, are you ready for the I'm lightning round? I'm so excited. <laughs> okay, so if you had to go on a date with one of the characters of the core cast, not the actor, character, who would it be? Mac. <laughs> I love him. I can't help it. Especially early season Mac. I'm just like, yeah. you're the cutest boy in the world. <laughs> he would love you. He would so. treat you so well. He really would. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he would... You know, he would secretly want a boy, but... Um, yeah, you know, we'd make yeah. it work. <laughs> I have such a soft spot for Charlie. I love yeah. Charlie. And, like, I have always been the dumb one in my friend groups. So <laughs> I understand. <laughs> okay. Which one of the characters is your personal style icon? Uh, okay. Again, Mac. <laughs> there was a time that... um a not insignificant part of my wardrobe was t-shirts with the sleeves cut off, uh, particularly university <laughs> because you get all those free shirts. Um, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I hate to say it. So like I've been going through a bit of a style evolution lately. Um, ever since we started coming back to the office two days a week, I've got this weird like reputation as like a person with cool style, Ooh. which has never happened to me in my <laughs> fucking life. And I don't know what to do with that. Um, and so now I'm like, oh, I can't let this drop. I have to look good all the time. When I don't look good, though, when I'm sitting at home, um, I would actually say once again, I emulate Charlie a lot because I, to me, the ultimate garment has so many pockets. Like, mm. I just want more pockets. Yeah, no, that's fair. And I, like, I remember a couple summers ago, back when, like, I was still working downtown, I just, like, going to Mac, like, why aren't there more women's cargo shorts? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Legitimately, like, I thought cargo shorts were cool <laughs> up until my 30s. So, like, um, yeah, the fact that Charlie kind of always looks like he's carrying half an apartment's worth of stuff with him, mm-hmm. um, I can relate to that. <laughs> 
What is one quote from Sunny you find yourself saying all the time? Okay, so a quote that I say out loud all the time is when, <laughs> I think it's from Charlie Work, after um, Dennis yells at Mac, and Dennis go, or, um, Mac goes up, and he's like, hey, Dennis. <laughs> that is how I greet Ellie. That's also how I will try to turn on my Google sometimes. I'll be like, Hey, Google. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is a really, not one that you'd think would come up in uh, in day-to-day stuff, except that I have a very noisy cat <laughs> um, who has recently learned to stomp. Oh, good for him. Like, good job, Ben. So Ben eats his food every day at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m., and we have our alarm set for 6 a.m., but uh, he he likes to make his presence known as early as 5.15 sometimes. And he, he squawks all over the house. Um, and yeah, he's learned to like pick his paws up extra hard and kind of like stomp him down. I'm like, he's literally stomping so often. I will just like go up to him. Does your cat make too much noise? <laughs> yes. Ah. <laughs> uh. I am going to get him kitten mittens one day. <laughs> um, all right. What is your favorite meme and or GIF of Sunny? Okay. So Sorry, my GIF. <laughs> Peak show supports abortion and GIF. <laughs> um, my favorite me, like just like screen grab kind of thing, I think is like Pepe, Sylvia, Charlie, and the board. Like, oh yeah, it's iconic. Like it is so good. Um, but my favorite GIF or GIF specifically is from the first episode when Dennis is like, "Boys are tonight, huh?" and does his little like spin because the uh. way he moves his body kills me. And it's just so, and you need the movement for the full effect. And it's great for when your hockey team is doing well. It was like, boys, we got tonight, huh? <laughs> that was kind of the Salt Bay before Salt Bay. Yeah. <laughs> He's got yeah. his little like hand flip going. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> um, so I was going to say Pepe Silvio, which I do think I use all the time. However, um, I really love Charlie and De- uh, sorry Charlie and Mac uh, seeing each other from across the restaurant, and <laughs> because as has been previously established, that happened with Helen and I the first time we ever met in person, just <laughs> running into each other at a coffee shop, just like girl from Twitter, girl from Twitter. I think that's the um, first always sunny meme I ever saw was Charlie and Mac <laughs> looking at each other, and I think I specifically remember my friend shared it and was like, <laughs> when you hear Nitty Gritty Band come on at the bar. <laughs> Uh, this is one of those face hurting episodes because I just can't stop <laughs> yeah. laughing. All right, so I will ask any moments on the show that have made you cry. Bonus if it's not Max coming out dance. Okay, so of course Mac finds his pride made me weep, uh, but I have two mm-hmm. others that made me cry, and I have referenced them. Um, so I will say um, spoilers for the most recent season. But in the most recent season, uh, the gang goes to Ireland and Charlie finds his father, like his actual father. It turns out it's been his pen pal that he's been speaking to (laughs) in Gaelic. Um, And so they get kind of a relationship. And then unfortunately, his father passes away. And from COVID. (laughs) From COVID that he got from (laughs) Dennis. 
classic. <laughs> oh my god. Um, but the um, tradition of their family is that you dump them into the sea off the cliffs kind of thing. And so Charlie is trying to pull his father's body up the cliffs and the gang is slowly giving up on him kind of thing. And as we alluded to earlier in the episode, like Charlie fully breaks down and is like, you were supposed to be there for me. Why do I have mm. to be here for you right now? And I think because we've had this buildup of like, Charlie doesn't have a dad and like how that affects him. And then his relationship with Frank and like, is Frank my father? Like all of these kind of mm-hmm. things perfectly set up like this fully emotional scene that made me cry. <laughs> like I was mm-hmm. sitting there, it's like one in the morning and I'm like, why am I weeping over always sunny right now? <laughs> um, yeah. And then my second one, I'll just say quickly, it's from the um, A Very Sunny Christmas um, when Mac and Charlie go throw rocks at trains because that's what they used to do on Christmas because they were yeah. friends as, and when they did it as kids and then their Christmas didn't go the way they wanted and so they go and do it again. And it, I just thought it was just such a nice moment that once again kind of taps into like the underlying pain of their stories, but in a funny yeah. way. Yeah, for me, no surprises, it is also Charlie Day breaking down, carrying his father's corpse up a mountain. Um, And I do think also the show very brilliantly goes very over the top with the way the gang comes in after that, because it's like they realize, okay, that was a lot for you guys. We're going to take it back to Wacky Town now. (laughs) Um, But it's also like what I love about that is kind of, and I think a lot more shows have been leaning into this lately of, you don't have to forgive your shitty parents. Mm-hmm. You don't. No. Like, and and I, I love that because that is a, very much a real thing and there's not a lot in Sunny that we're used to seeing come from a real place. Mm-hmm. Also, you mentioned A Very Sunny Christmas and I realized I do think I have a different favorite Sunny gif specifically and it's Danny DeVito coming out of that fucking couch. <laughs> <laughs> the I didn't think it was... <laughs> And the way he walks off, like, (laughs) I didn't think it was possible for Danny DeVito to look less human than he does when he's Oswald Cobblepot, but he actually (laughs) looks less human there than than he, when he's the penguin. His butt is just such a weird shape. It's like Hank Hill meets Humpty Dumpty. (laughs) I know they wouldn't do the exact same bit with Ray Liotta, but I like to picture Ray Liotta having to come out of the <laughs> All greased up. <laughs> uh. All right. So uh, on that topic, besides anything DeVito did, you know, pre-Sunny, because you can't say Cuckoo's Nest, <laughs> um, what is your favorite non-Sunny project a core cast member has appeared in? Um, so I am planning to watch Mythic Quest. I've been told by so many people that it's really good. So I will yeah, be I watching seen it. Either. it. Oh, okay. I've heard really I'm good like, things. I'm the resident Apple TV defender, and so, like, I should be watching it, but... I thought the same yeah. thing, because I'm like, I have it because of, like, severance, so I need to watch other things on Apple TV, but I just haven't gotten there yet. Ooh, but I will. Um, servant. Watch Servant. Ooh, okay. Um, it's, but... it's Shyamalan's TV show. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, Caitlin Olsen has appeared as a guest voice in Bob's Burgers for a couple episodes, so I'm going to Oh, have... I didn't know that. She's um, she's Helen, the one that um, they think, like, murdered her husband, who has, like, the house oh, on Oh, the... yeah. Yeah, so... And I she didn't was... know that was Caitlin Olsen. Yeah, and she also did a voice in Finding Dory, too, actually, so... 
the more you know. <laughs> I haven't seen. I'm That's I'm okay. not into Finding Nemo. That's fair. Um, so I actually, um, my kind of runner-up is I liked the Mick. Um, I got the screeners because that was back when I was still an entertainment reporter. I got the screeners for the show, and so I was like, eh, I might as well kill the whole season like right now. I liked it. I think she's a, it's a little too much of just like not even let's give Caitlin Olsen her own show. Let's give Dee her own yeah. show. Um, but it is kind of nice to see that she can carry a show without the guys. Mm-hmm. But my number one favorite, and I know he's not the star of it, I love Pacific Rim. I am a huge fan of Pacific Rim. Um, and uh, like it's I actually think like the last guy I dated before Jared, the the economist who uh, cultivated mass, he um, he and I went to see like I think the same year Pacific Rim and the Godzilla remake came out. The one that was advertises like Brian Cranston being in it. But Brian Cranston was in like the first 10 minutes. And my ex loved the Godzilla remake, which I hated. And he hated Pacific Rim. And legitimately, him hating Pacific Rim, of all things, was my sign that it wasn't going to work. <laughs> and um, and I actually think Charlie Day is like, because he's the one, the one, like, I think even Rob McElhaney says, like, oh, yeah, Charlie Day is the one of us that could, like, become a big star. Mm-hmm. And I think the only way Charlie Day can really be a movie star is if he is the funny sidekick, because yeah. he's, like, a short, like... He's a handsome man, but he's not Hollywood handsome. No, exactly. And he's a little short. He's a little scruffy. But I think he is a really good little sidekick. Mm-hmm. And so him as the scientist is is a great role for him. Mm-hmm. And I love when action movies have that little weird scientist guy. No, he's he's perfect for that. And he's a really good voice actor, too. Like, I know he was in the Lego movie. Mm-hmm. He's going to be Luigi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I, I do agree that Charlie Day is very talented. And I, I think he's also, like... Apparently, the most recent rom-com he's done is really good. Um, Mm -hmm. Let me pull up what it is called. I've heard good things. Uh, It was, like, super low release. Like, it was, I mean, like, everything is right now because, you know, the times we are in. Um, Mm -hmm. It is called I Want You Back. It's essentially... Never heard of it. It's (laughs) him and Jenny Slate. Um, oh my god, I love Jenny Slate. Yeah, and so essentially two newly dumped 30-somethings team up to sabotage their ex's new relationships and try and win them back. And obviously, as you can tell, they fall for each other. And I need to figure out where it is because I really want to watch it because I love Jenny Slate and I love Charlie Day. And Charlie Day is a romantic lead. Hello, sign me the yeah. fuck up. That's a premise that I wouldn't care for, but because I love those two actors. Yeah. Like, yeah. Any, um, like, other people, if, yeah. they, if they were too Hollywood beautiful, I'd be like, no, absolutely yeah. not. But I think they hit that perfect balance of, like, you guys are kind of funny and, like, weird, and I, I'll watch this. I love Jenny Slate so much. Can't say enough about her. Um, I also, I liked Horrible Bosses. I didn't love it, but I liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was a sequel. I did not bother seeing it, but... Um, yeah. Uh, okay, so Liz, cancel yourself. What is the most inappropriate thing you've ever laughed at on Sunny? Okay, well, it's because of the implication of it all. It's anything to do with the Nightman and Dayman. Because if we think about what it's actually <laughs> about with Uncle Jack and Charlie and his wonderful song, it's horrible. <laughs> but it is so fucking funny and the amount of times that i find myself sitting at home just like hey man oh <laughs> like to no one 
Um, I... <laughs> that... Two underrated things about Dayman, though. Um, number one is, again, if you watch Sweet D's Dating a Redacted Person, um, the original, like, Bob Dylan version that uh, he's like, that man, sneaky, mean. <laughs> make me want to cry, make me want to die, man. Um, but also an underrated but equally disturbing and problematic one of uh, In the Night Man Cometh is um, D's song. And I'll say mere syllables from Glenn Howerton, the tiny boy, tiny boy. And he's just, ooh. Like... <laughs> Like I you mean, said, it's really disturbing when you actually think about it. But yeah, no, it's it's that, or it's um, Mac being upset in Charlie was molested um, that he <laughs> wasn't picked by the teacher. Which again, it's just so like, oh my fucking god, you guys! Oh my god, you guys! But you're like, no, that tracks for Mac. That tracks for him yeah. just being like, why was I not cute enough? <laughs> like, but so so bad. <laughs> It is. <laughs> okay, so um, the entire episode, the gang solves the North Korea situation, I it has me in stitches from top to bottom. Everything about it, the, you know, Kim Jong-il looking bar owner, um, D waking up in the, like, bunkhouse, am I in America? <laughs> and then, of course, the plot of Charlie, quote-unquote, dating a 12-year-old, I think is one of, like, one of the most delicately balanced things that I'm like, oh, you guys kind of came out of this clean, mm -hmm. and that's phenomenal. That is like, very much, like, that episode is them walking it, like, absolutely on the razor's edge and they manage like Danny DeVito coming in and jumping in front of the like water like the hose because they were going to do yes. a wet t-shirt contest is just like <laughs> you guys mm -hmm. yeah all right so what is your dream sunny sitcom crossover so it's also a Liz appearance crossover because I just think Mac and Job could have a lot to talk about in terms of their fathers. Yeah. And I bet that Job would love the karate moves. He'd incorporate them. And Mac probably would love illusions. Yes. Uh, so I was just picking up my phone because I have notes on there specifically for this. But I need to let you know about the message I just got on Instagram from Billy P. Hello, I want you to let you know that you have a beautiful smile. Would you consider having me as your sugar daddy to take care of you and take care of your responsibilities, giving you daily allowances too? No relationship, nothing sexual or serious, <laughs> just conversations. Nothing sexual. <laughs> nothing sexual, just three guys having fun. Again, nothing sexual. <laughs> Oh, man, I know what the promo art is going to be for this episode. <laughs> so, yeah, I just got proposition to be a sugar daddy. It, listeners, by the time you listen to this, I might be a whole new woman. Um, <laughs> you know, you never know. <laughs> uh, no, so um, what I this is a cheat because this is not actually a sitcom, but it is a TV series. Last year, Amazon filmed filmed the season of the Leafs for all or nothing and they lost terribly <laughs> and so and I did send this in as a mailbag question for real good pros but um I'm just thinking of like what would it be like if this season across the entire NHL were presented to us 
in like an always sunny format. And I thought of some great sunny titles myself. So just picture this, Liz and dear listeners, in the sunny title card font. Brendan Lemieux bites a kachuk. <laughs> the team loses Matt Barzal. <laughs> the gang gets Omicron. <laughs> Brad Marchand's Guide to Anti-Racist Allyship. <laughs> oh, this one's going to get Leafs fans mad at me. Jack Campbell loves imperialism. <laughs> I mean, I mean. <laughs> Who supported the trucker convoy? And Austin's medical information gets leaked. <laughs> I mean, you could even just do Jack supports the troops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no, now I want Jack Campbell doing the eagle dance. <laughs> I was going to make one about the unfortunate situation that just happened to Mitch Marner, but I'm like, oh, no, he was scared for his life. Yeah, Poor guy. Was, <laughs> yeah. In a few years, we can laugh at that one. <laughs> Absolutely. Just like we can laugh about Austin Matthews' medical information getting leaked. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Or, or like, um, I don't know. Something. Has Keith done anything stupid this year? I don't know. Remember when we thought he was stupid for splitting up Matthews and Nylander on a line? Huh. I, I I believe him now. I I I'm, I fully believe him now. I trust him now. I I do. Okay, what is uh who is your supporting cast MVP? Artemis. Artemis is so Artemis. funny to me. And I think she is just so she's she's perfect to me. She is everything mm-hmm. to me. Everything they have her do kills me when she gets involved in who pooped the bed (laughs) it's so good there's just something about the way that the actress is just so like committed to the bit that it's incredible and like also in the nightman cometh when she's like charlie's stage manager essentially and And she's a consummate professional yeah charlie's like i'm pretty sure it's written boys um soul and she's like yep yep that is what it's written down as and i'm just like Mm -hmm. you're so fucking funny you make this perfect every episode she's in i love Mm -hmm. and i like that she just shows up at random times too like she's just kind of there Mm -hmm. it's never even a big thing anymore like artemis is here like um uh so i was gonna say artemis but i feel like i have to say a different one so um I will say it's a toss-up between the McPoyles and Marie Ponderosa, um, but I, because Catherine Reitman is so good at playing, like, that's what I mean, like, there's so many just unappealing, strange supporting characters that you can't even say that the core cast is the strangest. Yeah, no, um, exactly. But I do think the McPoyles get a lot done. Um, I think Marie Ponderosa goes to too many dark places sometimes and so her character can be a little upsetting mm-hmm. um and the way like especially the mcpoyle's deaf mute sister um like whenever she shows up <laughs> i would have said gail the snail except i don't think gail the snail um shows up enough yeah she, um, she's there for like two or three episodes <laughs> remember when she was in arrested development season four and it's just like i can't see you as anything but gail the snail no well me watching marie ponderosa and i'm just like cbc working moms <laughs> or whatever show she saw i'm just like yeah, the canadian show that television. cbc tries to convince you everyone watches yeah i'm just like let's go canadian actors <laughs> like so i think i know the answer to this who's your main cast mvp i think i'm gonna surprise you because despite 
one of them being inked to my skin. I think Caitlin Olsen just fucking knocks mm-hmm. it out of the park with everything she does. Like, especially consider like she's not a showrunner, she's not really a writer. Like, she really just goes to work, does her job, and then comes home. Like Rob says, she doesn't even like rewatch episodes. She's just like, oh yeah, that's that's nice, dear. <laughs> um, yeah, but she is just so committed, and I think she's so good at physical comedy. Like, she really is. When she runs into the g- car door and like smashes her head. It is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. And they were saying on the podcast that they tried to do it like a few times with like a stunt person. And they're like, it's not as funny. And the stunt person's like, yeah, because the way she ran into the door could have broken her neck. So I can't repeat it. (laughs) But that's the shot they use. And I just think like, even as the show's gone on and like sometimes with like TV shows, people will get like more like, oh, well, I'm like, an actress now so I'm not gonna do like Mm -hmm. all the like kind of gross out or I'm not gonna go to like those depths she is right there with them kind of thing and I I think she's incredible (laughs) Mm -hmm. so I was initially I was going back and forth between Rob McElhaney and Charlie Day I do think ultimately it is Charlie Day and I think it's because Charlie is a character that normally you could write out of any other show because he is a sidekick mm-hmm. and he is he's a B plot guy. He mm-hmm. drives a lot of B plots. Um and yet he man- he is a scene stealer all the time and he also like as a character Charlie instigates the most action. Because he is always willing to go so far. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the things Charlie Day does with his voice his are incredible. Voice. Like, I think about, like, specifically, it's just like, oh, can you all? Now you're talking about language. Like, the way <laughs> that he inflects his voice is just so funny. Like, he's so funny. <laughs> Mm-hmm. The, like there are certain lines that you can't you can quote but unless you're doing it in the charlie day voice it's really not a charlie quote like i thought this was america like <laughs> you can't just say i thought this was america like yeah even no. with gusto you have to do it you in that, that have, like and it's like the high pitchedness of it too just takes it to that like next level it's... yeah um I, I really do think the show even even the, the Danny DeVito of it all, I think the show would have been nothing a long time ago if not for Charlie. Mm-hmm. And that's not something you see out of the sidekick type mm-hmm. often. Like, Charlie is a very sexless character. He is a very, like, you know, he's a character that you could easily write out. It, and also, because Charlie Day has had the most, like, success in movies and stuff, he is the guy that you would have thought would have left the cast by now. Well, it's funny and to think he about hasn't. Like, the later seasons where like Glenn doesn't show up as much because he was doing no. like AP bio, but like you're like, eh, that's okay. <laughs> like, yeah. That's all right. Like it's not the same, but it's, I think it's like there, there'd be a sizable bit missing without Charlie and his just Charlie-ness. <laughs> yeah. So now, when do you think Sunny peaked for you? I think it's hard because like I watch them in such like a like condensed fashion that it feels like just one big season almost, you know what I mean? But I was looking back at like where my favorite episodes are and I think like 8 9 10 mm-hmm. are kind of like have my most favorite episodes in them. 
I think that Always Sunny to me isn't a show that has had like a, a noticeable decline either, which is makes it a little no. more difficult as well. Like, as I've said, season 15 wasn't really my favorite. Like 13, 14 had kind of hit or miss. But then even you look at like, um, I mean, like season was it season 13 was when Mac found his pride. And that's one of my mm-hmm. favorite episodes of television ever. And like, um, later seasons have like those incredible, like Mac and Dennis moved to the suburbs, which is like a perfect 30 <laughs> minutes of TV. And Newsflash, <laughs> asshole! <laughs> like, so I think the peak to me is kind of like, where my favorite episodes are and there's a specific stretch i want to say it's um it's not this season. oh i think it's season um season seven that has the stretch of like um sorry <laughs> actually season five has my like stretch of world series defense gang wrestles for the troops patty's pub the home of the original kitten mittens mac and dennis break up dennis system mac and charlie write a movie and then the gang reignites the rivalry and like i wouldn't say that's the peak because there are episodes that i love after that but it's that's certainly a saturation of some sort exactly yeah and but i would say that kind of like it's it's not like it's still peaking (laughs) I'm just thinking of Dennis. She's like, you haven't reached your peak. I haven't reached my peak yet. Um, I mean, like, I think Always Sunny is something that we're going to look back on and be like, that was a really good run of TV for a very long time. Yeah. So I couldn't go for a quality peak. As I was going back through everything, I could not go for a quality peak. So I decided to go for think of peak in terms of what is an episode that has the most sunny stuff in Mm -hmm. it, all the elements of a Mm -hmm. sunny episode. And, um, you know, if I were to show a friend a random sunny episode that shows this what this show's all about, and it was the aforementioned high school reunion episode, (laughs) I do think, you know... I don't like two-parters, but that's just me. Um, (laughs) But you've got the whole cast doing equally good shit. You've got a lot of callbacks to earlier stuff. Um, You have a lot of good supporting cast members, and you've got Rickety Cricket, and you think he's reformed, and he's still a street rat. Um, You got the waitress, um, which all of a sudden you find out that the waitress went to high school with them. Um, (laughs) There is some, there's some good shit in there. I like Frank being Nicky Potnik. Um, <laughs> but, and also because it ends with that dance sequence, um, which is like, it wouldn't be sunny if you didn't like break the reality a little bit or do something that is just so self-abasing. Um, and really, this show is all about showing characters at their low point. And so I'm like, okay, this show to me is, or this episode is peak sunny because it has all the elements of that is when it is the most itself yeah no i agree it's very much like almost like sunny perfectly condensed into like a two-parter kind of thing Mm -hmm. so if you were to recommend it to a friend would you like recommend a chronological watch or like a curated list of episodes or you just like straight up remote roulette um i think it would kind of depend on the friend sort of thing because i think that Telling someone to watch it chronologically, you have to know that person very well. (laughs) 
Yes. Um, it, it's, it's not the exact same, but it's similar energy to like, okay, I know the first season of Parks and Rec is like, eh, but like, it's going to get there. It's going to get there. It's because it's not the same in the sense of quality, but it's like, I know the first episode is mm-hmm. wolf and then it just keeps getting mm-hmm. more wolf from there. But like, it's okay. It's okay. It eases you in at the very least. It really does. Um, I think that like, I have a few favorite episodes. Like I said, uh, Mac and Dennis moved to the suburbs, I think is hilarious. And also like a very good, like, encapsulation of always sunny kind of thing like you have them Mm -hmm. all at their like most it's definitely mac and dennis centric but that's definitely what i would recommend um also i think nightman cometh is like oh yeah. even though it's a musical like the gang loves to like go over the top and loves production and i think it's also like a really great like we were talking about like ensemble kind of episode as well um the gang gets analyzed i think is just like very funny um and just a great insight into the characters um and mac and charlie die part one specifically is honestly my favorite episode of always sunny that is always on my recommended there's something about mac in the wedding dress well, Charlie's holding a popper to his nose and he's shooting at Dee's car. That's just like, that's cinema, baby. That is cinema to me. But also random episodes, I think, are good too because yeah. there's always something in the episode. Even if the episode is like, eh, it's not my favorite. Like, there's something there. Or there's like a meme where people will do like the Leo pointing and like, oh my God, that that's where this is from. Like, so yeah. I think... Honestly, just go forth and go wherever you want to in this series. I'm a big proponent of remote roulette for Sunny, uh, with the caveat, you know, telling people you're you're gonna you're gonna see some slurs, you're gonna you're gonna hear some slurs. Mm-hmm. Um, I also would have this thing where I I like I could never recommend a list of episodes without. <laughs> I'm big on equality. To the point where when I was a child, I like had to alternate which stuffed animal I slept with so that none felt left out. So I would say like, you need a D episode. Yes. You need a Charlie episode. And so like my my kind of ultimate D episode is The Gang Breaks D. Um, So it's like everyone should watch The Gang Breaks D. But then like, what's my ultimate Charlie episode? Well, probably, I don't know, probably the one where Charlie starts dating (laughs) and we discover milk steak. Um, <laughs> that felt sexy was that sexy <laughs> uh, um, or um, actually one of another it's a problematic one in terms of the way it treats Carmen but um, Mac is a serial killer oh is an amazing episode it's really that literally funny. ends with decapitated heads in a fridge yeah but, like, no, it's a very them funny walking episode. around in clown suits <laughs> yeah um but then, like, also, I would make sure a couple ensemble episodes are on there. Like, the gang dances their asses off. I always mm-hmm. feel like that's the first episode I need to show people because that was my first episode. Mm-hmm. The, the delivery of Danny, we're going to dance our asses off. Like, All right. So um, how big is the gap between the best of Sunny and the worst of it? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I wouldn't say it's, like a huge gap because like I was saying even the episodes that I don't really care for I still have bits that I'm like oh that's funny that's funny I I enjoyed that like part of it um but Mm -hmm. 
I think that there's a definite, I've noticed at least in like later seasons, there's a definite like, it feels, it's not like you guys are phoning it in, but this feels like a really like easy joke to make almost kind of thing, as opposed Mm. to the more like extravagant, like kind of episodes they've had, or even just like creative sort of thing. Like they try to do too much when I think about how like some of my favorite episodes are like, like when they're trying to figure out um, who gets the lottery ticket because like Charlie stepped in poop, but was potentially like saving Mac from like the falling piano. But then someone said a slur, uh, like, and that's when we get like Mac's exercise bike with like the fist to <laughs> keep him going, kind of thing. And it's like that whole episode is in like one room, but it's still very funny to me, kind of thing, um, as opposed to some of their like super over the top ones. But I don't think it's a huge gap. Like it's not like. I'm thinking of like other sitcoms or even like thinking back to Arrested Development where it's like there's like whole seasons I don't even acknowledge um, mm-hmm. in the canon kind of thing. Uh, so I wouldn't I wouldn't say their peak or their uh, their gap is as bad as it could be, which is also very impressive for 15 seasons of TV. Yeah, like for me, I'm thinking like I always say, like, if this is an A plus, then, you know, what is the worst? And like if um you know, if say like the gang tries desperately for an award is an A plus, because or if who pooped the bed is an A plus, um, which it truly is, <laughs> then like, you know, the um, you know, in- including all the problematic, should I say, like the first season or some of the like maybe lazier ones, are a C plus, yeah, because there's still so much good in mm-hmm. them. You know, um, and that's when it becomes your I'm putting this show on because I'm making dinner or because mm-hmm. I'm horribly depressed. I can't relate to that at all. I, I swear to God, I can't yeah. relate to that. Um, <laughs> no, I've, I've I'm never, very mentally, very mentally healthy and neurotypical. I, I've never been wa- binge watched Always Sunny while just morbidly depressed. I, I, people do that? <laughs> what? what? What is depression? <laughs> what? I don't know her. <laughs> Oh, what a joy. This has been it for this episode of Peak Show. Thank you so much to my dear friend Liz for joining and talking Sunny with me. Liz, before you go, tell everyone again where they can find you, follow you, and your various projects. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Yano for sure. Uh, again, that's yeah, spelled Y A. Um, I also have the Real Good Pros podcast. That's good with the you, uh, with the lovely Helen. As I said off the top, uh, we as this episode comes out, we'll be on our little bit of a summer break, but you can listen to back episodes, and we're planning to do some fun kind of uh, segmenty episodes throughout the summer just for something to do. And I have a newsletter that you can subscribe to. It's linked on my Twitter, but it's yanoforsure.substack.com where I just kind of talk about pop culture and I've even talked about Always Sunny on there as well. So you have come read. (laughs) Absolutely. Read everything Liz writes. Give her money. Um, (laughs) Also that. Give me money. Just send it to me. (laughs) Yeah, just cause. Put it in an envelope. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Wait, don't triangulate. Don't tell them where you live. Just just send it to Ottawa. Just write Ottawa and she'll find it. It will get to me. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes. As for me, I've been your host, Brie Rohde, and uh, really enjoying this season of Peak Show. We're coming up to the end of season two. We're just kind of burning off episodes at this point. Uh, we have episodes coming up on the Coen Brothers with Gina Radcliffe, an episode coming up on Matt Stone and Trey Parker with Eric Peacock. We're doing a whole dang month on Star Wars with guests such as Ted Raymond and the lovely Eric Siska. You can also check out our back catalog for our episodes on David Fincher, the Saw movies, Taylor Swift, and just a lot more Liz in that back catalog. Three Pete baby <laughs> kelsey's coming for you though i know um <laughs> you can follow me on twitter at prune underscore underscore tracy you can also follow this podcast peak show at peak show pod on twitter this show will never become depressed and go on private don't forget to rate and review us um i uh have a goal to really boost the visibility of the show this year and it's really come a long way but just the more you rate and the more you review the better we do give us five stars or go to hell special thanks to jared daly for our show logo and all its art and thanks to jack dumb for our theme music and thank you for listening i've been brie Rody, and remember don't be a dumb bitch and eat cereal in your car (laughs) 